Welcome to Dentistry Uncut, the stuff you wish you knew. Welcome to Dentistry Uncut, uh, all the things that you wish you knew about dentistry. And uh, today we are joined by a very special guest, Megan Lohman, who is the founder and co-CEO of Plan Forward. And Plan Forward is a dental membership plan, and they are designed to help you as a dentist increase production, improve case um, acceptance, and just allow you to break away really from the, the dental insurance world and increase reoccurring revenue, which is all things that is music to, to Nate and I's ears and, and things that I think a lot of dentists out there would love to do more of. And Megan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Absolutely. Excited to be here. So Megan, we were chatting right before we hit record and you started to, to go in a little bit to the origin story, but um, explain exactly how Plan Forward started. And you guys have had tremendous growth since we um, recorded a video together I think it, it was pre-pandemic, so it's been a minute, but it was really cool to kind of watch and see some of the things that you guys are doing. But how how did things get started and, and what does Plan Forward look like today? Yeah, so uh, the story was very grassroots um, in terms of I was working in a dental practice here in Westfield, Indiana uh, with Dr. Jason Flanagan. And um, it was at a unique time. Well, first of all, I don't have a dental background whatsoever. I was more in a sales and marketing world, um, tripped into working in his practice and assumed the role of patient financial coordinator and kind of wear every other hat that wasn't clinical or receptionist. And uh, it was at a time when Dr. Flanagan bought a second practice. So I helped him more with the business side of that transition a lot of, you know, claims processing and, you know, trying to uh, collect on claims and denials and just transition that whole business. And then in his his full-time practice, um, did all of that from an insurance standpoint and also was the point person for the patients when they were asking, you know, hey, um, I'm switching jobs or I'm getting ready to retire or I just went through a divorce and don't have dental insurance, you know, what would you recommend? What does this plan look like? So just it was baptism by fire very quickly, uh, learning more the business side of a dental practice specifically related to the challenges and some of the pitfalls of dental insurance. Um, it was also when the Affordable Care Act was implemented. So when they rolled that out, um, you know, everybody was just consumed or confused by their benefit options. And employers were changing their elections to what they were covering. And so this just really was the catalyst for us looking at, you know, what are we recommending to these patients and is it the best value for their money and for the business? Um, so it was at that time we said, you know what, let's, let's do our own in-house plan because, you know, everybody knows that if you're going to spend your hard-earned dollars on a standalone dental insurance plan, it's not worth your money. So we said, you know what, we're going to structure this plan and give patients and families a monthly payment offering. Um, we put our marketing materials together. We drafted a little, you know, patient agreement and we rolled it out really very organically. And um, as it grew over the first few years, you know, patients loved it. They stopped asking questions. They everything was transparent. You know, they felt like they had their dental benefit. And what happened was just really amazing things, both from a business perspective and from a patient habit perspective. 
Um, so long story short, we ran that. I actually left the practice in 2016 when I had my second child and I was a stay at home mom for about a year when uh, Dr. Flanagan called me and was like, hey, Meg, we love this plan. Our patients love this plan, but it's getting to be just this administrative nightmare. We need a tool to organize it. And so that really was the start of our market research. Um, it was in the fall of 2017. And, um, you know, it really just became apparent that the plans and the patient offering was so valuable and we needed a way to make this scalable for the practice. And so um, we took the bull by the horns and put a business plan together and launched Plan Forward in April of 2018. So we're coming up on four years. Yeah, it's extremely exciting. And yeah, going back to when we chatted through Plan Forward before, I'm thinking it you were getting ready to maybe make your first hire and you talked about you're on employee number five. Now you guys have raised funding. If I recall and seeing LinkedIn, I mean, there's been a lot of growth and development, but um, I think just for, for listeners, because we'll have listeners from all over, you know, when you think about a membership plan, like what you're offering is kind of that, that technology solution to allow the administrative burden to, to lessen, right? Like to make just life easier to say, we can roll this out. We have some structure behind it. And right. you can go anywhere, correct? Like there's no yeah. no issue in different states. Um, yep. I just wanted to maybe talk about locations, reception, growth, and maybe what you're hearing from practices that maybe have started to to have conversations or have implemented it. Yeah. Um, so we are now, I think, 35 to 40-ish states. Um, I'm not the one on the front lines anymore of doing all of that, which is so exciting. Um, But yeah, we're right around 35 states. And every time we enter a state, obviously, um, our legal counsel does a deep dive on the the regulations in that state around membership plans. Um, The technical term is direct primary care agreement. And so we look at those guidelines. We make sure everything, you know, that we're giving to the practice and advising them on is compliant with those regulations. Um, But to your point, you know, dentists and their teams love the idea in general about having something there to offer. Like the the concept makes sense, but when they start to think about, okay, how do we price it? How do we manage it? How do, what happens? Like all the what ifs get in their way. And we talk to so many teams who get this 90% of the way there, but it's those last few questions that just holds them back from actually pulling the trigger and rolling it out. And so To be honest, when we rolled out Plan Forward, we wanted to create a software and we just wanted to be a software company. We figured, you know, the teams would have these plans and certainly they just needed a software to manage it. But what happened when we went to market was actually they were leaning on us for every question before the plan launched. So we quickly realized that that's a really critical piece of creating and implementing a successful membership plan. Um, It's setting it up so that it's profitable, getting the patient or excuse me, getting the team and the dentist on board to champion it and to really believe that it is a good value both for the patient and the business. Um, So we try to thread that needle of creating value for the patient. You know, they always, patients want to save money. That's it. Bottom line. So you have, they have to save money. The, the dentist needs to know what they're giving away, essentially, by offering the plan so that they're confident that this is a good business decision. And then once we check all those boxes, 
then it's, okay, let's get the team comfortable with how to talk about it. Let's show you how, you know, to manage it in your practice management system and enroll these patients and answer all their questions. And honestly, it, it's a, maybe a two to three week process. It's two Zoom meetings. Um, one is the pricing call and one is the team training. And in between that, it's a few back and forth emails to approve marketing materials and whatnot. But we really have it down to a process that walks them through the entire creation and implementation piece of it. And then the software is really secondary to making this successful. Um, it's really that the implementation piece that is kind of our secret sauce. And what we've found is really sets us apart from some of the other players out there because we know that's the most important piece. What do you see as like kind of the questions that seem to want to stop implementation? Like the, the people you, you mentioned 90% of the way there and they kind of stop. Is it, yeah. what if it is a flop? I don't want to spend the money. Um, what do you typically hear is um, the, the reasons that someone might be a little hesitant to, to move forward? You know, earlier when we first launched, it was fear of these like regulations. So it was more of a legal compliance thing. After COVID, it quickly changed to, okay, we know that, you know, these are popular, it's rolling out, it's a need. Now it's, okay, what if somebody joins the plan and we don't have enough room in the schedule to get them in for their second appointment? Or if we offer monthly, what happens if those payments, you know, fail? What do we do? Who calls them? How do we contact them? Um, you know, my bigger questions from like your fee-for-service practices are, you know, well, we always collect our standard fees. Why in the world would we offer a membership plan where in theory we're offering discounts and just take, you know, a 10 or 20% cut from my bottom line? You know, how does that make sense? And so, um, you know, sometimes it's from the numbers coming from the dentist. You know, is this going to actually add net new revenue or am I going to discount what I'm already doing? And from the administrative team, it's more, how do I field questions from, from patients? How do I keep these enrollments flowing? And what happens if the gray area happens? Megan, you mentioned uh, a fee-for-service practices and maybe the question, what, why would I want to implement a plan? Because I'm then discounting the services that I would normally be compensated at 100%. Um, what, what was, uh, what, how did you address that concern? It's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. Um, so when you look at cadence and um, patient habits for specifically uninsured patients, how often they are coming in specifically for preventive care, because these membership plans are really around preventive care. Actually, I should probably back up just in case some of your listeners are not familiar with a membership plan. Um, it's where you bundle your preventive care services that you decide to include whatever your standard of care is for preventive care, whether it's for an adult, a child, perio patients, new patients, whatever it is, we help you figure that out. But the membership payment covers your preventive care services. And then your restorative treatment, it's up to you if and how much you want to discount those services. But typically, they are offered at a discount. So to your question, Nate, for fee-for-service practices, if you look at your uninsured patient base and you actually do an analysis to see how many cleanings are your uninsured patients getting in a 12 or 24 month period, I promise you it's not going to be two every 12 months. And so it's getting those patients to A, opt in 
to regular care, but from a bottom line standpoint, when you can get somebody on a membership plan, you are collecting for two cleaning appointments every 12 months predictably. Mm -hmm. And it's a use it or lose it situation. If they choose not to use those services that that are included in the plan, they lose it. And so that's how it actually increases your revenue from, from preventive care. And then with restorative, you're exactly right um, in terms of it is going to be a discount off of your standard fees if you choose to offer that discount. But your your goal would be you're actually presenting more treatment because you're seeing them more and you're taking more x-rays and things like that um, where you're going to have more opportunities to do to do the restorative work. I think that's uh, really thanks for sharing that, Megan. And thanks for answering that question, because I think a lot of uh, fee for service practices would naturally go right to that point. But yep. building in predictability and um, repeat revenue on a monthly basis is important. Um, you know, that's affecting your operating cash flow. Um, and you're, to your point, you're presenting more patient care because instead of that uninsured patient coming in, potentially, like you mentioned, once a year, maybe it's two, maybe it's a patient that's on a perio program. So maybe it's as many as four times. Right. And, you know, as a fee-for-service practice, it's no secret. It is hard, harder to retain patients, to get new patients, to, especially if you're not as well established and you're trying to fight the beast of the insurance networks, you have to find a way to differentiate and you have to find pockets of patients that if you can grow a membership patient base through, you know, marketing to people that don't have insurance, that's just freedom right there in itself. And you're not even having to deal with that question of, do you accept my insurance? Are you a network? Because that's the hardest question for your front office team to answer when you're fee-for-service. Do you see more um, practices, you know, implementing membership plans and then moving away more from insurance to try to get more to just completely fee-for-service in that helping transition? That's our number one conversation in, in today's world is the burden and the frustration that these insurance contracts and these networks are creating for the the teams, Um, whether it's trying to go 100% fee-for-service, it's usually trying to identify their lowest payer or the one that has the least impact in the business and slowly moving away from them. And they do implement a membership plan as part of that strategy. Actually, I'm going to plug a webinar we're doing. Um, We're doing a webinar with Laura Nelson on February 18th. And she's well known in the the office manager world specifically. But it's all on dropping those PPOs and how to do it. And so there's a lot more that goes into it. I'm sure you guys are all well versed in it. But, um, you know, a membership plan is one piece of it. Um, But but using it as part of a strategy so that you do have something to offer patients, not just, Hey, we're dropping the insurance. Good luck. You, uh, Megan, you mentioned that, um, it's, I think earlier you said it's, uh, your, your business is less about the software program, but it sounds like that's a key component to how you interact with, um, the end user. Yeah, it is. Um, so the end user is the patient. Right. Um, so we are really B to B to C. Um, the software is our entire business. So I guess I, I shouldn't say it's less about the software because the software is critical in making sure that these plans are scalable. And when I mean scalable, I mean, it's well organized. No matter who sits down at the computer, they can log in and see what's going on with your plan. 
um, you know, it's not dependent upon one human specifically in your practice that has all of the, the mental notes about all the different membership patients. So it really is the critical piece of taking a membership plan and really making it a full-fledged program that runs itself. The end user, there isn't a patient portal actually. So while the end user is the patient that enrolls in the plan, our platform is sending out messages to the patients regarding, you know, renewals or card information or whatever the case may be. If your your child is rolling onto the adult plan, you're going to get notified, things like that. Um, and those messages come from, it looks like the practice. So we mask all of those messages with the practice email so that if they reply, it's going to go back to the office. So it's just automating that communication process so that the patients feel like they have a heads up when they're going to renew or their card's expiring or their payment didn't go through or their kid is getting older, whatever the case may be. So the plan is actually, the software is running the plan. They're just enrolling the members. Got it. And um, one of the questions, and I think you, why you said earlier, the software's not, it, you have to have buy-in, you have the person, I think you used the word champion, which is important. Like if the dentist isn't completely bought in, the team is going to see that and then not push it forward. And I think that's something that is really, really critical to any rollout of new technology, any new product offering, any new, you know, program you want to run internally. Like you have to say, this is going to happen, you know, come hell or high water, we're doing it. We've made the yeah. decision, get on board. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then go from there. But one thing that has been near and dear to my heart, I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast, but um, I just wanted to chat and it might seem like a very strange question and tangent, but I'm, I'm curious on the, the software side, the merchant processing, is that something that is still integrated with whoever the practice is using? Or is that something that you all do on behalf of them and then kind of pass that through and connect to like their bank account and using like a Stripe or something like that? Great question. So it is a separate merchant account from who they would be using unless they're using Card Connect. That's who we use. Um, so it would be a separate merchant account that they would um, open. It's not a terminal. It's just this merchant account is integrated with our platform. But the, the way we're different from every other player out there is that the, the practice owns the merchant account. So they will get monthly statements. They will see all of the fees in the transactions. It's easier to reconcile. Um, it's actually one of the biggest, most important pieces of the membership plan is the reconciliation. And so when they get enrolled patients throughout the month or they have the recurring charges going through, they get next day funding with the gross deposit. So they can see, okay, we build all of these people today. Here's our deposit. And those amounts match. Then at the, on the first of the following month, we bill them for using the software and then credit card fees are taken out in one lump sum as opposed to taking out fees on top of every single transaction and then just depositing a net amount, it's all batched and separate. So it makes reconciling. And so you can see your profitability. You can see your top line. You can see the expense for plan forward and you can see your credit card processing fees. I mean, it's very transparent. Megan, how does uh, this interact with an office's practice management software? You mentioned reconciliation, obviously that, how do these uh, softwares talk to each other so that it's seamless? Yeah. So it's not fully integrated. It's not integrated with the practice management system. Okay. Um, 
the way that we recommend and most people recommend as a best practice is truly to treat it like an insurance plan. Okay. Um, so you would create an insurance company and an, an employer for membership plan. And mm -hmm. so Nate, if you walked into my practice and you wanted to join the plan, I would put membership plan on as your insurance type. You can opt to use your standard fees mm -hmm. or you can create a, a fee schedule. Mm -hmm. But as the patient comes in, you would kind of, very, you know, after they enroll, so let's say they come in for their next six month cleaning, you know when they're coming in and you do the same process, just like if they had insurance. You log into our system as like your online eligibility checker just to make sure they're active. Um, and if there actually are any payment issues along the way, they would get a notification prior to to be able to take care of that. So they would just use the insurance company and specific mm -hmm. adjustment types and fee schedules. Yep. Um, and you can run your reporting per your membership plan, just like you would a Delta Dental or a Cigna or whatever. Gotcha. So it integrates into the software, but as a separate uh, insurance, a new insurance carrier. Yeah, exactly. So from a, from a profitability standpoint, again, it's not always about money, but I think the freedom element of not getting squeezed and getting a, a nasty letter that says basically your reimbursement rates are going down. Um, yeah. you know, thank you for being the a provider in our network. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you talk a little about, or are there case studies or good examples of, of folks and kind of what the impact has been? Because I think in a world right now where everyone's struggling to get help, it's hard yeah. to retain talent. Hey, what if I pay more? What if I'm able to offer other benefits? And if I'm yeah. able to raise profitability by doing something like this, maybe that is a, a way where you don't have to then give away as much margin, um, but just having costs go up because inflation is real and we could go on a, a long tangent around that, but, um, Absolutely. Uh, take that any way you want, I guess, and we'll unpack that a little bit. So when we do the pricing call, um, they send us their standard fees for the recommended services that we have on just, you know, the, the top 10 or 15 services that are typically included in these plans. And we put it, we lay it out for them and we talk about, okay, what are you doing at an adult visit? How many x-rays are you typically taking? What about your FMX or your Pano? You know, when are you doing all of these things for your oral cancer screening? Do you use Velscope? How about fluoride? You know, what about a new patient? So we talk about how often they're doing different services and what they're generally billing out or collecting for different patients. And so many times they come to that meeting and they know about what their insurance write-off is from any you know, insurance company. And obviously they know their standard fees because we have them there. And so the way we break out our pricing shows them if you include these services, it's actually shocking. Most times, depending on where the standard fees are, again, it's based on their standard fees, they can collect nearly their standard fees for those core exams, cleanings, and x-rays um, for the plan when we add in other services like emergency exams and fluoride or you know other things that add value to the patient where they are collecting, again, maybe 5%, maybe 10% off of their standard fees for the exams, cleanings, and x-rays. Whereas generally when they look at their insurance reimbursement, it's much less than that that they're collecting for those services. Plus the patients in an adult or in a perio world generally are also getting fluoride. Um, that's a huge perceived value for a patient and it's a very minimal cost, hard cost to the practice. So that's one thing. If you're not including fluoride at every preventive care visit for your membership patients, I would rethink it.
because it's such a huge perceived value. What's the average um, plan in a, in a general dental practice? Yeah. Uh, it, so assuming that, uh, you know, I'm going to base it on my standard fees, right? Um, mm-hmm. I would gather that it's maybe between 300 and 300 to 400, maybe $450 for a couple of visits, yep. uh, cleaning, yeah, yep. x-rays, yep. emergency exam, et cetera, versus uh, maybe what they, the office might be doing right now, which is, uh, this might this range might be off, but let's call it between 60 and $75 per visit for the same, if it's, if it's run through insurance in the traditional fashion. Yeah. Do you feel like yeah. that's somewhat accurate? So the insurance reimbursement, just on average, you guys would probably know better than me, but it's trending toward 40% uh, write-off. Um, the, the, what do I want to say? Average adult plan is typically somewhere between 28 and $33 per month. Um, and so it lands, you know, anywhere between 300 to you're right on, you know, $400 per year for an adult. Um, kids are generally five to seven dollars less per month than than adults. And perio, that's a bigger range, and it really depends on whether they're including three or four perio maintenances and what their X-ray protocol is. Um, but it can be anywhere from 45 to 70 dollars a month. So you can annualize that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the goal is really to make this hygiene department profitable and get your patients to be compliant and include all of those x-rays so they don't push back on them because nobody wants to hear you're due for your fmx today and they say is that included in my plan and you say no but it's you know 10 percent off and they're like i just still don't want to have pay for a hundred dollar x-ray um so that really is the goal is to give patients a plan that includes all of their services that they need for their preventive care, save them some money and give them the peace of mind to know if they need something else, they're going to get a discount. Megan, does your data show over the course of the last uh, three years or so that this has increased uh, patients showing up for their, for their routine uh, cleanings? Absolutely. That, that was one of our biggest takeaways was how compliant these patients were. I mean, they're opting in to, you know, be part of a preventive care plan. They're paying for it. So they use it. Um, and the beautiful thing is, is you don't have that end of the year rush because, you know, where you have to get everybody in before January one, or they lose it because it's on a rolling 12 month, you know, their renewal date is just a year after they enroll. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a patient and I work at, um, and I work at, uh, there's a Walmart in almost every community, I work at Walmart and I pay for dental insurance, but I want to come to uh, a dentist down the road uh, that doesn't accept my insurance or that maybe it does accept my insurance. How, how can I then potentially opt out or do you guys provide direction for Mm -hmm. how an office might communicate to the patient, how I might opt out of my dental insurance coverage? And I guess the second part of that question is what can I then observe as a patient is my potential cost savings. Absolutely. We give them these price comparison sheets to use. Um, but your first question, how can you opt out? So generally, if they're enrolled in an insurance plan, 
it's going to take a life-changing event for them to be able to change their coverage um, in the middle of the term. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait till open enrollment to opt out for the next year. Um, as the practice administrator, you want to ask them, how much are you paying in your premium every paycheck? And then you can annualize that out for them. And then you can just run a quick report to show, okay, here's your premium. And here's what you've paid out of pocket to our practice. And all you have, you don't have to sell anything. You have to show them real numbers and let them make the best decision for themselves. If an employer is subsidizing a dental insurance premium, there's a good chance they're going to stick with that insurance. Because why would anyone opt to pay three to $400 out of pocket if an employer is paying that? It's just not going to happen. So don't put pressure on yourself to feel like you have to sell this and try to make these numbers work when they don't. You know, the, the job of the practice is just to create something that's transparent, have the numbers there available, and help the patients find the numbers to compare and let them make the best decision. Yeah, I love that that structure. And it may, yeah, I think the idea of, you know, you don't have to sell, just show the data. Say, that's hey, right. Here's the I information. I think that's one of the, the biggest fear, you know, like that's what holds the front office team and sometimes the hygienist back is they're like terrified to sell anything. It's like, this is absolutely something that, you know, in, in my mind, the best way to think about this is it's just an added offering that you have implemented to be available for your patients if and when they need it. And so it's not, there's not pressure to sell. Um, you know, it's great as you grow the plan, but if you want to proactively grow the plan, then you need to put some, you know, things in place to target where uninsured people are hanging out. Um, you know, clubs, organizations, small businesses, whatever that might be, where they don't have dental insurance. Go find those ponds where these people are living and, um, you know, make yourself known in those areas. Yeah. And then, um, oh, I had a really good question that was going to be excellent. And then now I uh, spaced it. I'll jump it's in gone. with the question. Yeah, go, go Nate. I lost it. Uh, I, <clears throat> I've had uh, clients uh, ask me, okay, well, you know, I, I have this insurance company. I'm just tired of the write-offs. Um, you know, what What can we do to create, an, uh, you know, another option? Obviously, an in, in, in-house or a, a service like yours uh, is a great way to, to move forward with that. Uh, but I've always counseled that, you know, it's important to understand um, how many patients are in said plan um, and to have a plan to move forward, which I, I love the name of your organization plan forward, because <laughs> it's, it's truly, you don't want to, you don't want to cut ties um, mm-hmm. before you have a plan to move forward um, for what, what that option might be is yeah. I was just curious, is that, is that how the name came about or. How did it come about? Um, oh, I know how it came about. So when we were thinking about, what to call this. Literally, it was like, okay, we're pulling the trigger. And I had to fill out the paperwork to get a tax ID. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we need a company name. What is this going to be? So we wanted something that elicited a positive feeling, no matter what. And so we kept, you know, the word plan, we were trying to kind of get away from insurance or whatever. But I love pay it forward. Like anytime you hear the phrase, pay it forward, it's a good thing that can never be taken into like a negative connotation. And Mm -hmm. so we were like, pay it forward, pay it forward, pay it forward. And then, and then we did a bunch of different plays on the word plan 
And so we're like, plan forward, plan forward. Okay, that kind of has a ring. It kind of, you know, it is a plan. It is very kind of forward thinking. It's helping you kind of plan for the future. It's helping you kind of create some independence. So that's where it went. Very organic. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say you have a recent example of big dollars being spent to find a new name. So the Washington <laughs> football team, now Washington Man Washington Commanders, um, not well received. And then you have, you know, Megan, you guys kicking around. And this is like, <laughs> you, you can pay McKinsey big, big bucks to come and, and brainstorm oh. and get you a, a quality name. I, I love it, too. I think it's smart. Makes total sense. Well, Thank you. Um, it, I think naming a business is probably one of the hardest things. That was one of the hardest things we've had to do um, all along. And there have been some, you know, some real challenges. And that was one of them. I concur. I, I had sleepless nights thinking about that kind of stuff. For some yeah, reason. absolutely. It's hard. What's something that we haven't asked about yet that you feel like is really, really important for people to, to grasp or understand when thinking about membership plans, challenges, um, implementation, just anything in general? Um, I always think you get what you pay for. And specifically for independent private dentists or small group dentists, you need to pick a partner that's going to have, that's going to understand the dental practice and support your team because they're going to have questions and things are going to come up. But if you have somebody that can walk you through this process, this is not something that has to be thought of as a massive overhaul of your practice. It is one thing that you add into the practice to make it better. It's not something that has to be this like full-fledged transition. So it's kind of like, don't overthink it. Let us do the thinking for you. We've got the, we've got the template. We've got the plan. We'll walk you through. We'll make sure it fits your business. And then we'll train your team how to do it. Um, and so I just think when you have the right pieces in place and you have a good support system, this is the, the smartest business decision that you can make um, to just have. I mean, if it goes crazy, great. You are going to be so happy with the thousands of dollars of recurring revenue and independent revenue from insurance companies. And if it doesn't go crazy, it's still OK because you're not going to lose money on it. It's not signing an insurance contract. You can change things and. Everything is under your control. The revenue is within your control. So um, I just think it's it seems scary, especially talking to dentists every day when they haven't implemented it. I know their questions, and it does seem like a major undertaking. Um, it really isn't isn't that hard um, if you just find somebody that can walk you through it. Yeah, and I think just the idea of what's what's the value of your time. You know, what chair side? What do you chart? What what is your hourly cost, and what can you do to to get to a quicker implementation in a functional system to, to allow it to work. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, it's the whole work smarter, not harder mentality. You know, people are getting burned out and um, figuring out, you know, how many patients they have to see to, you know, just stay flat. And, you know, this is one way that you can actually start to change that. Megan, what type of uh, internal office assets do teams use to communicate uh, their programs? Um, internal office assets. Their patient communication system, you know, generally they have, um, you know, a revenue well or demand force or whatever that is, legwork. Mm -hmm. um, and so we give them templates of emails to, you know, announce their plan to their both insured patients and uninsured patients. 
um, around open enrollment. It's always a time that we're getting back in front of them saying, hey, start plugging your plan, plug your plan, um, because that's really when people are making their elections for the next year. Um, there are text messaging systems. Um, you know, they can just plug those in. Um, we have an online enrollment link that we give practices that they can say, you know, don't forget, if you don't have benefits, click our link, check out our plan. Um, it's not necessarily internal, but their website, absolutely. You know, people have their plan information on their website. And then social media is free. Um, we give them social media templates, templates, and we have a whole host of graphics there that they can just download and plug and play. Um, we give them brochures, you know, printed materials and, you know, PDFs and things of uh, marketing materials to talk to their patients. But it really is as simple as, you know, believing in the plan when the patient calls or walks in the door or they start talking about a life changing event. Um, you, you know, it's just important to have it in place and you show them the brochure or you send them the link um, and they'll ask you if they have more questions or they're interested. Thank you. Absolutely. So as we, as we wind down and we did not prompt um, for the listeners, uh, Megan, this, so we'll see um, what comes of it, but are there any questions that you have for us, Megan, that you would like to, to know a little bit about? And maybe it is because you don't know <laughs> Nate as well. We can see what kind of interesting information we can pull out of him. Um, but actually, go ahead. absolutely. Um, I mean, you guys are the numbers people. You're analyzing the numbers of practices all the time and their profitability, and you kind of know their struggles from the numbers side of things. Um, especially as practices are thinking about transitioning, um, what's your take on a membership plan? Go ahead, Isaiah. I, I mean, I'm all for it. Like I, for me, setting up this, this conversation was, was absolutely um, uh, purposeful because I think more people need to look at it because if you're in network with, let's say, you know, the 800 pound gorilla, that's going to squeeze you and squeeze you and squeeze you um, at some point that that is no longer going to work and it's no longer going to be nearly as profitable as, as what your business has been in the past. And let's say you're acquiring a business, right? Like you have to make adjustments and have to um, continue to grow. And I look at dental insurance. And I know Nate and Megan, I'm sure you guys talk about this too. All it is, is advertising money. So put all of that reimbursement for, for dental insurance into advertising. And instead of spending one to 2% in advertising and marketing, how much are you actually spending? It's a hell of a lot. And yeah. so how can you go and change that? And can you actually do can you see less patients and make more money? Um, probably. Yeah. If yeah. you are able to structure something that makes sense. And I know that's scary because you're going to, you know, um, there, what is that? The cut off your nose to say, like, I can't think of that saying all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Despite right? your face, yeah. But I think you mentioned it earlier as far as phasing things out. And I've had a conversation recently with um, someone that's mainly fee for service, but still has some different insurances. And it was like, Hey, this is less than 10% of revenue. And, you know, just got a notice that it was changing. It was like, shoot, I'm going to phase this out and continue to, to let people know like this is how you can still work with us. And he was sharing some information with me of different webinars and, and things that he had watched. And he, the numbers that they cited in that webinar were 80, 85% are going to stay with you. And he only needed, it was, I think it was around, it was less than 50% basically um, before it would really start to impact his revenue. And it's like, shoot, you know that those people in that area and his reputation, he would be fine. He felt comfortable making that switch. So yeah, I, I look at it as, how can you continue to improve? How can you um, get more independence and kind of that self-sovereignty idea mm -hmm. of where you can go direct to where you're going instead of having some middle person 
deciding who comes to your practice because they get the benefit through their employer. So yeah. that's kind of my take. I think I would uh, add to that, that, um, you know, if you can create loyalty, um, dental offices are competing with each other. They're competing for patients. Um, the, the more loyalty that I can uh, create in my practice uh, means that it is in, more than likely going to be more valuable, right? It's more valuable to a buyer because uh, there's so many people that are part of a unique plan versus uh, a standard insurance plan that mm -hmm. their neighbor might also mm -hmm. be in. So I look at it as, uh, look, insurance companies are not going to go away. Right. Um, I look at uh, your your offering as a, a great adjunct to create additional loyalty uh, to the brand that you're trying to create as a practice owner. So if you're in the process of uh, a five to seven year plan to transition, this could be a great option to increase profitability and gain additional loyalty. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm a new practice, if I'm a startup practice, I'm, if I've got a de novo, I'm definitely considering something like this because as an adjunct to insurance plans, um, insurance plans do provide a way to um, get patients in the door right away. But I think mm -hmm. you also have to have a way to obviously uh, uh, become more profitable. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not by writing off 30, 40% all day, every day. Right. And so if you can do it and, and discount your fees, um, you know, reasonably um, and be treated fairly, uh, for, for the work that you're, you're completing and helping people with, then I think it's a, I think it's a win-win. So I think it's a, a great option. Um, Isaiah, I think you mentioned, you know, increasing profitability. Um, you know, if you can see, you know, the same amount or fewer patients and, you know, create the same revenue or generate the same revenue, it's that, but it's also, you have more time with every patient. I mean, the quality of the conversations and those appointments when you don't feel like you're running around with your head cut off because you have so many people that you have to see in the same amount of time. Um, yes, it's it's a bottom line thing, but it's also just the, the slowing the pace of the practice and spending a little bit more time with every patient um, is really, in our conversations, very, very liberating um, to, to, to Dennis specifically. Um, yeah, I think... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Megan. No, go ahead. This is totally I, off topic. Oh, I, I just, I, I think uh, to also piggyback on something that Isaiah mentioned, advertising, right? So a, traditionally a practice might spend one to 3% in advertising. If you look at what those dollars are, um, you know, in terms of what the average dental practice is out there, that's ten to $15,000 a month. Are you spending that much uh, in advertising? More than likely, no. No. Right? Yeah. Uh, so it's money well spent, uh, mm -hmm. that's not actually being spent. Right. So if you're going to, if you're, if you're writing off that much, why not just reallocate some of that money towards, um, an internal marketing plan, which is yeah, internal or, office plan. Yeah. And, and I think it, mm -hmm. exactly. You're just, you're just moving dollars really, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, from what you're writing off to actually marketing and advertising. Absolutely. Um, for I just completely lost my train of thoughts. Oh, I was Go just going to I was just going to say the uh, the thought of the marketing though, right? So once you're at let's say capacity, if I'm at capacity and still taking dental insurance, uh, my revenue goes down. If I'm spending that money in marketing and I get to capacity and I stop, my revenue goes significantly up. So there's a huge mm -hmm. difference between the two, and it's not one to one. Yeah. That's the other yeah. thing to think about. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, this is something that we were talking about right in the middle of the podcast, and it my thought just came back to me. But you had mentioned, you know, getting consensus on the team. You know, if the dentist is against it, but the team wants to do it or vice versa, we've actually seen that the, the front office team or that office manager is probably the most critical person to have on board because they're the ones actually in the trenches. So if the dentist is the one that's hesitant and really struggling to get on board, but they say, yes, okay, because the office manager feels strongly about it, there's a much better chance of it actually succeeding than if the dentist is the one pushing this through and the office manager and the team is resistant, that's actually a much harder thing to get off the ground because the dentist isn't in the trenches with these conversations and the ones running and offering the plan to the patients. So I think it's really important for that kind of the cheerleader in the practice to be the office manager and the administrative team. I couldn't agree more, Megan. I think one of the biggest obstacles that that I see in, in private dental practice is uh, having everyone buy in and, yeah. and implementation of new programs is often hard because so much of what happens on a daily basis is you want to stay on time. Look, no one wants to stay until 5.30, 5.45 at the end of a day if your hours are 8 to 5. So staying on track and staying um, you know, consistent, uh, having everything become predictable, those are all traits of a successful practice. Um, they, want, they want everything to be as predictable as possible. So when you add new things into that process, if everyone doesn't buy in, uh, it just becomes more frustrating. So I think mm -hmm. it's super important to mention that um, having everyone buy into the philosophy and the approach becomes ever important to its success. Absolutely. So we uh, hired our new uh, client success manager in October, and she co-founded a company. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, Front Office Rocks. And it's basically an online um, educational platform for office teams, front office teams. And really, it's that communication front office to back office. And she, her entire wheelhouse is communication, getting consensus, training teams. And so she's leading our client success efforts, um, which is the implementation and training of the teams to make these plans successful. So we're really proud of her. And we know that that is absolutely the most important thing is your team. Um, so I think my, my words of wisdom are just make sure, make sure your front office team or your office manager is, is on board. And if they're not, bring them to the source to get educated on it, to understand, you know, to be able to ask their questions before you decide to roll it out. I think that's a great, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask, so you mentioned that you guys have expanded um, into additional states and in, in early on in the podcast, you mentioned that um, the legal component of the states that you work in. I'm just curious, is there, are, are there more challenging states to work in than others? I would assume that California is probably a state that has a lot of restrictions or regulations. California is just the a wild beast uh, in itself, but um, it's no different how to operate these in California. Um, there are just some language that there's some language that has to be in the member agreement. But from an operational standpoint, there's nothing else that's new or different that a dentist or their team has to worry about. Um, gotcha. There are certain states where, um, you know, it, it requires 60 day termination notice versus 30 or you, you know, have to allow a full refund if the patient cancels within 30 days. So, you know, things like that, that are it's just minor. It's not necessarily you can't do this. Gotcha. 
what are what are your what are your goals the next five years? Oh man, <laughs> the question everybody loves, Nate. Thanks. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, my goal is to build this team. Um, so I also brought on a co-CEO. Her name is Jane Levy, and she's got a completely different background, but she's very well versed in dental. Um, but to build more of an ecosystem and a, a, a software company that really listens to dental practices and adds different offerings or features or whatnot in the platform that truly is valuable, not just bells and whistles to sell on, but features, functionality, and offerings that help specifically independent dentists. That was where our heart bled from the get-go um, to help them compete, to help them stay profitable, um, we definitely have lots of group practices and kind of those emerging DSOs um, in our, our portfolio as well, which is fantastic. Um, but sometimes for the independent guys, it's hard. It's harder to, um, to grow, to increase those margins and to add into the practice. So our whole thing is just building a team that really understands the dental industry and the dental practice and the trenches of being in a dental practice, um, you know, staying relevant and adding services and features that are just gonna continue um, to add value. We just rolled out a, a partnership with a patient financing company called Choice. I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of those, but uh, Choice Pays. And so that's been a fantastic integration. So it's a seamless integration in our platform. They can, it's a single sign-on. They don't have to log out of our system to look into Choice. And there's, it's a whole, that's a whole separate podcast. Um, but, you know, just doing things like that to allow these uninsured patients to get financing for the treatment, to increase your treatment acceptance and allowing you to be in control of setting the parameters of how risky or conservative you want to be with offering funding is uh, or financing um, is really the goal. So just, you know, strong team, strong company that focuses on the customer is is our goal. For not liking the questions, you sure answered it well. Thanks. I was waiting for IPO. That's what that's what I was waiting for. I'm gonna ring that bell, Nate. <laughs> ring the bell. Ring the bell. Absolutely. No. Um, I just I can't wait to see. I mean, 2021 really is a year where we are focusing on building out the team, um, and so you know we just want to grow. We want to make our services available to so many more practices and patients, um, and we just love watching the progress and and the feedback as we're going through it. So it's been fun. For those that have listened, want to uh, connect, hear more outside of the webinar, which you uh, shared, and we'll make sure that gets out as well. Um, where would you send people? How do they get connected? How do they learn more? Yeah, um, our website, you know, obviously has a ton of information. It's planforward.io. Most people in the dental world are like, what is IO? Um, and it's just, I guess, this techie, trendy end of a website. I don't know. So planforward.io is the website. Um, you can email me, mloman, L-O-H-M-A-N, at planforward.io, um, and I'm happy to connect you to anyone on our team, whether it's client success or sales or me, to talk through, you know, what this looks like or what it could look like for your practice, um, or just to fact find. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a ton of fun, and it's, again, like I mentioned at the beginning, it's exciting personally um, to watch the growth and, and see a lot of cool stuff happening. And again, something that started in central Indiana is pretty cool to see it <laughs> spread all over. So thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you Isaiah.
Absolutely, Nate. Great to meet you. And uh, Isaiah, thanks again for reaching out and for the opportunity. Thank you for joining us on Dentistry Uncut. If you didn't know, now you know. Thank you for listening to today's show. The comments on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should talk to your professional team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management and is also a registered investment advisor. Nathan Courtney is a practice transition consultant with Legacy Practice Transitions and a dental business advisor with Cloverleaf Advisory Group, where he's also an owner. The biggest compliment you can give is to share our podcast with a friend. Your reviews will help our listening audience grow. Apple Podcast is the primary platform for our listeners. If you have a few minutes and you love the show, please head over to Apple Podcast and give us an honest review and rating. For all of today's links and show information, head over to www.dentistryuncut.com. Again, that's www.dentistryuncut.com. There, you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platform, so you won't miss out on the next episode. Thanks for listening.